Welcome to the Buzzed in Baltimore podcast. I am your host, Jess Mayhew. I cover nightlife and spirits for Baltimore Magazine, and this podcast is an extension of that coverage. We talk about bars, drinks, and the people that bring them to you. Welcome to, this is episode six of the Buzzed in Baltimore podcast, and I'm here with um, Brendan and Randall, uh, owners of Idle Hour, and it is a rainy summer afternoon in July, so if you hear the occasional thunder, that's what's happening. Um, And for those of you who haven't been to Idle Hour, it is an awesome bar in Riverside, and you guys first opened when? Or no, 2003? 2003. 2003. 2003. Um, And when some structural issues forced you to close and you ran out for 18 months and now you're back open. Um, but I wanted to have you guys on because people love Idle Hour. It is just one of those bars that if, if you're a drinker in this town, it, it's like a cult classic almost. I don't know. Um, and so everyone's really excited it's back up and I just wanted to have you on and, and talk a little bit about, about your story. Um, and I, I sort thank of, you. yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for, thank you for having me in the bar. Um, so I sort of want to, I like to start out every time by asking people kind of about their background in nightlife and then craft spirits and how you guys sort of became to be bar owners. Um, Brendan, do you want to start? Um, so I first got into the bar business. I was in sales and I absolutely hated it. I was living in Baltimore down in the city and I was commuting out to Timonium to do sales. It just wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Sales was not something I was cut out to do. Yeah. Um, I got a little bit of uh, money when I quit. I cashed in my, my uh, I guess my savings, whatever it was, my little IRA, whatever. Right. Um, and I had a little bit of time. So I took a couple of months and I was just living downtown enjoying myself. And quickly my money ran out. So <laughs> I had to figure out what I was going to do next. And I saw an ad for um, wait staff, and I went ahead and did it. I'd never waited in a restaurant before, and it was a place called The Wild Mushroom. So I started there. I didn't do a very good job, (laughs) and I got demoted to a place called Portobello, which was really kind of a relaxed um, thing down in the marina in Canton by the pool down so there. So both mushroom related? Yeah, the same owners. Oh, same got owners. it. Okay. Yeah. I was like, is that just a coincidence? No, no, okay. no. And from there, I ended up um, at a place called Vespa, which in this neighborhood has a really just special kind of a meaning to folks that have been around here long enough. And it was this great little bistro that a friend of mine owned, and we had a great wine selection. We tried to do pretty good booze for the days. Um, or for those days anyway, and the food was great, and it was casual, and it was just really, it was a good place to be. From there, I started also working at, actually I was courted by uh, one of our friends to be part of the opening crew at Red Maple, and that's mm. where Randall and I met. Wow. And, and that's full circle now. Yeah, so yeah. I didn't really have a ton of experience in the business, but what I did know is a couple of my friends own businesses and you know at the end of the night we would all get together after we put in these long hours and we would get together particularly Randall and I and say man if these boneheads can do it we can do it (laughs) yeah and we quickly found out that we were both actually serious about it and we were capable of doing it so I think that's the best restaurant advice ever these boneheads can do it I mean they're friends of ours so we can say that of course of course but right but like why not us yeah yeah yeah. so that's kind of how it started so not a ton of experience um in the restaurant or bar business definitely knew what I liked 
and uh, a lot of late nights just getting off of shifts and saying, what if? Right. And if we could, what would it be like? Right. And Randall, did you have a similar path to that or? Uh, fairly similar. I actually had less experience. Um, I was in investment banking and found myself hanging out uh, with mostly people that uh, were in the industry. Mm. Bartenders, mm-hmm. servers. Found your people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I uh, realized waking up at 5.30 in the morning to get to work by 6.30 was not the right job for me. Yeah. Um, the guys at uh, the Good Love Bar were opening up Red Maple at the time. Right. And uh, the uh, TJ Lynch offered me a, a, sh- a cooking position or a prepping position in the kitchen. So, uh, yeah, got, a, got out of investment banking and took uh, $8 an hour cutting vegetables. And that was my introduction to that side of the world. Um, worked there for about two years, met Brendan, a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, in that time frame, we decided, let's go for it. Let's do it. So how did the concept of Idle Hour first start? I mean, it was these what-if conversations, but what were the things that you really wanted to focus on with it, with opening this place? Well, I guess Randall and I had, you know, we had done enough traveling and visiting different towns, and I think we both, you know, a, a couple of years earlier, I had uh, been spending some time in New York. Um, I had an apartment up there um, right before 9-11, and I was spending time between Baltimore and New York with the intention of moving up there. And I kept finding these places in New York that I really liked, and I thought, man, why is there nothing like that in Baltimore? Right. At the same time, Randall had gone up to New York a couple of times, and we had um, independently gone to some of uh, the same places, and oftentimes they were hotel bars, and and um, we just thought, why is there nothing like this in Baltimore? Yeah. And at that point, you know, it was a very, Baltimore was very different. Yeah. You know, the, the bar scene back then was a, a much different animal than it is now. Um, every bar was kind of the same thing in a way. It was hamburgers on Thursday for half off mm-hmm. and 25 cent wings on Wednesday and, you know, $2 Miller Lights and right. every single sports game was on and the TVs were constantly on. And if it was 12 o'clock at night, you were still going to see sports center on a loop right and yeah it was just it was different and you know we had these conversations that kind of brought us to realize that you know these cities dc and philly and new york had all these great things that we went there to go see and we didn't feel that baltimore really kind of had what we were looking for necessarily but it did have a really kind of nice corner bar feel Mm -hmm. and we always kind of wondered what would happen if you meld the two together. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what we've created. That's so interesting because there is sort of this dichotomy, especially in like early 2000s in Baltimore, it was like either those like sports bar wing beer joints or kind of these like clubby martini whatever joints. Oh, right, right, And there was right. this kind of like juxtaposition and it's like, well, what if I don't like either of those right. things? Um, I mean, you know, a and sports bar is great sports, every now and yeah. then. But... Well, it's funny though. The sports bars survived a lot longer than those clubby places yeah. that were mostly folks coming up from D.C. thinking hey, we could do this in Baltimore, and it right. would last for and six they, months. And then they yeah. re- realized that's not what Baltimore no, no, no. is into at all. Yeah. Um, and so was it for you guys, was it It was an atmosphere thing? You wanted, you know, no TVs, more music-focused, more art, that kind of thing? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> one of my main impetuses of uh, opening a bar was uh, 
I used to throw a lot of late night parties. <laughs> Ooh, there's those sound effects we wanted. <laughs> uh, a place called 409. And uh, it, you know, it was uh, a lot of fun and a lot of work. Uh, the good times all around. And uh, I so, didn't see any reason why that wouldn't fit into a business model. What was the scene like at one of these parties? Like, if I walked in, what would... And you could be this explicit, whatever uh, you want. It, it was honestly not too dissimilar to what you find here. Okay. Uh, no TVs, good music, Records people talking, playing. records yeah. playing. Yeah. A lot of folks getting off of work. Brendan it was, obviously yeah, it was, was the, there. That yeah, was, you know, these yeah. were the things you would look forward to. Uh, get off of your shift and grab a couple of people and take a couple of six-packs or a bottle and head right. over to Randall's place and... Get past the security guy who was uh, <laughs> in on the joke and um, yeah. <laughs> hang out until the sun came up. I mean, it was a, awesome. it was a fun place. And were you guys messing around with drinks at that point too, like trying to experiment with different stuff? For were there cocktails that you liked in New York or concepts you liked in New York that you were wanting to bring down here, or was it simpler than that? No, I don't think we. I it mean, was much simpler. Yeah, <laughs> much much simpler. Um, the Handles thing, of vodka. Yeah, maybe a case yeah. of Red Bull. Yeah. I think the funny thing about the this cocktail movement and the mixology movement is that, you know, it never really was something that was applicable to us um, in the early days. I mean, we've certainly, we have some nice products now that we can make some nice mixed drinks with and cocktails for sure. But back in those days, Ford Avenue was a much different animal than right. it is now. I mean, literally across the street from us, we had junkies and prostitutes here, and we were the second bar on Ford Avenue that had kind of changed and changed hands and changed over. Mm -hmm. And for us to get people to come up here and to try and sell them a $14 cocktail would have never, ever You wouldn't have lasted. No, not at all. So this has always been a place to get a good drink, a mixed drink, um, not a super fancy drink by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I feel like it's a lot of sh- like shots and beers. Absolutely, like it that's is. yeah, kind of the, the, and that's kind of what Baltimore is, right? In a way, you know, Baltimore's always had that working class corner bar mentality, and it wasn't something that we wanted to stray too far from. Right. But if you do want to come in here and have yourself a really nice whiskey, and you know, use some nicer. Um, mixers and whatnot we do have that did you feel like embraced and welcomed by the neighborhood when you first moved here when we first moved here actually uh we were very fortunate this place had a a good reputation of the bars that are on fort avenue and um there were a couple of families that kind of congregated here uh some of them in, in construction and they helped us right off the bat build stuff fix the toilet that's you know, awesome. made phone calls yeah and uh they they came here for the first six months or so. Um, the uh, matriarch kind of led them away because we got rid of the poker machines. Oh, um, and that was a big. It was plus a, to yeah. Them. It was a big yeah, yeah. It was a big part of the life. Um, yeah. And the guys that we were friends with, the uh, you know that were more our age, they still came by. But after a while, it's like you know what you know we've kind of switched locations a little bit. But we've always had very good relationships with with the people that were coming to the bar when we bought it. Right. Right. Um, and did you guys, did you always kind of know you wanted this to be a chartreuse centric bar? How did chartreuse (laughs) start to fit into the model? 
here? Like, how did that whole thing begin? You know, I had no idea what chartreuse was, and Randall brought it on. And I always tell the story that it's kind of like multi-level marketing, <laughs> because I told one person, and they told two people, and those people told two people, and That's all like of a sudden we went, yeah, we went through, um, we started with one bottle, and the next week we were ordering two or three bottles, and now, you know, you see behind us, you know, we just brought a case in today, like, it's just... We sell a lot of chartreuse. It's unbelievable. But Randall should tell you the story of actually yeah, how it came about. Yeah. I think a lot of people, their first, in Baltimore, their first experience with chartreuse is inside of here. Right. Yeah. Mine included. Yeah. Maybe, maybe in the U.S. I mean, so yeah. So how did... What, uh, what honestly, Brent and I were sitting on his back deck, uh, and we'd kind of gone through our list of what we were going to order and gone through the basics. And I was like, okay, let's pick something that's special to you and I and We'll add that onto the list. Right. Uh, and thought about it a little bit and realized chartreuse has been something I'd been drinking for, I don't know, another five, eight years prior to doing this. Um, yeah, that would make me 21. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're like, mm, maybe, maybe even before then. Who, who's counting? It was introduced to me first at Max's on Broadway. Okay. Uh, I had my best friend growing up since I was about four or five years old. Uh, he was a pilot in the Marines, and they tended to be Jägermeister drinkers, mm-hmm. uh, but they somehow came across chartreuse uh, and wanted something that would uh, pass any drug tests, but would also give them a different kind of alcohol high, Experience. alcohol buzz yeah. than, you know, vodka or whatnot. Right. Uh, I feel like it's almost like a sake on steroids. It gives you that very warm, fuzzy... Yeah. Definitely. Feel like you're in a swimming pool. If if you stick with just chartreuse, mm-hmm. you'll you'll get a very nice, warm, fuzzy buzz. Yeah, that's uh, a really good way to describe it. So he introduced it to me there, and uh, I put it on the list. And we got it in here. Didn't move very much for the first month or so, um, and then as the weather got colder and people were doing shots of whiskey, we started introducing them to a shot of chartreuse. Yeah, and yeah, as Brendan said, it was exponential. One guy tried it, perhaps hated it. Another guy tried it and liked it. And was like, okay, brought in four or five friends. And all of a sudden, we went through the bottle. Yeah. And it it just started taking off like that. Um, and then we found out that the uh, uh, owners of Chartreuse, the president and some of the representatives, were coming along the Mid-Atlantic. And we had, at that point, been selling just enough to get on their radar. And uh, when we knew they were stopping by, at that point is when we first put bottles up uh, mm. in the rack above. Mm-hmm. We used to we used to have trophies up there of, uh, of all of our friends that kind of pitched in and helped us open the bar in the beginning. They brought in their high school trophy for. Oh, that's cool. Of course, there's a you know still the president's oh, yeah. cup for religion right there is our tip jar. We had that's one from awesome. Britney Spears, believe it or not. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. It was a pretty yeah. fun collection. That's awesome. Um, but for, for you know, to, to show these guys that we were serious about chartreuse and that, yeah, we, right. we truly do enjoy it and it, it is important, uh, we put them up there. We had 11 bottles. Yeah. That was our very wow. first. Yeah. yeah. We were so, when, so proud. When was we had that? 11 whole that bottles. It was probably in the, the you know, we opened in August. It was probably that winter at some point. Yeah. Wow. It wasn't too terribly far in. Yeah. That's crazy. I feel like, so the, so the first time I came to Idlehour, I remember, I think it was Brendan. Um, it, it was late. I had been drinking, but I remember sitting down with a friend and 
you guys, one of you just started going into this thing about how there's this stuff and it's made by monks and it tastes like pine. And, <laughs> and I was like, what is this magical place I just walked into? They have this like elixir and like, I don't even know. But I feel like you did it in this way where it didn't feel pushy. It just felt like, hey, do you want to experience this kind of like different sort of thing? Um, sharing. Sharing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and then it, the same kind of thing happened. I would tell a couple friends or people or I would hear from other people. Um, and the same sort of thing happened with picklebacks, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, do you feel like that's something that you can you guys can sort of be credited with as far as introducing it to Well, introducing it to drinker? Baltimore, certainly. Yeah. Um, again, this was something that Randall found. They were up in uh, Bushwick. Yeah, I was up in New York. With um, one of our bartenders. Lance, yeah. who used to live up the street, bartended here for a while, uh, had moved up to New York. I visited him up there. Uh, he is since back and behind the bar again. Yeah. Um, and he took me to the Bushwick Country Club. And as as far as anybody knows, that's the first place that the uh, pickleback was done in, I in the States. I would have never thought it would be. <clears throat> that's crazy. Well, uh, not a country club, country club. Oh, it's unironic. It's, oh, yes. it's ironic. <laughs> okay, they I've never have like been. A, a smoking back patio that's actually a little pup putt course. Awesome. So, <laughs> okay, that, this, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Uh, so I had my first shot there um, of pickleback, and I think I sent Brendan a text or called him within a couple hours. <laughs> yeah. like, we need to do this. Yeah. 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 Those were the days when it was Randall was having a fun weekend and I was here working or I was working and or, right, yeah, vice, vice versa. versa right. Yeah. You know, so we, we weren't able to go see things together. So, um, we would split our time going up to visit Lance and, uh, we each got to go to these great places on opposite weekends, but Randall came back with the pickleback and I remember he brought it back here. And the first thing I was like, this will never yeah. work. This like is this, terrible. This, I was very, hesitant. <laughs> very yeah. hesitant. Cause it sounds so gross. Right. I mean, even if you like pickles, it just is like, mm-hmm. what? Like, it actually dates uh, back to uh, old Russian tradition of wow. thinly sliced pickles on a very uh, cold plate, and they drink their, their nearly vodka. frozen vodka and eat their pickles. And it really and does somehow just the neutralize. Yeah, Country absolutely. Club turned that into a whiskey and pickle juice. It's brilliant. Pack. It's yeah. brilliant. And I remember my first pickle back here, and um, you guys were like, "Just don't do it in the reverse order." <laughs> right. That's, that's our biggest piece of advice because then your night will be ruined, probably. Yeah, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, the idea for having local art on the wall because I feel like when you guys open, now it's something you see a little bit more commonly, especially there's these like gallery bar hybrids mm-hmm. and music venue bar hybrids. Um, but probably for this area at the time that you opened, it was like, what's on the, like, what's on the wall? Yeah, Who very, are these very by? different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very different. So why, why was that so important for you guys? Well, you know, I, like I said earlier, um, I was working at Vespa. And Vespa was one of those little cafes that just always had a great rotating art selection. And um, I was very fortunate to work with our very first artist. And her name was Melissa Dickinson. And she was a great friend, is a great friend. She's out in San Francisco now. She is a fantastic artist. She's been all over the world to go learn different techniques. And she has... She went to Japan to learn to make paper. Yeah, she made her own paper. She uh, came back and, you know, she's her her style has varied over the years. And when we realized that we had these walls that we were going to be able to light up and it just seemed natural to ask little Mel. You know, Randall had and his now wife, Carrie, had met her and they both loved her as much as I did. And it just seemed like the absolute right thing to do. So we brought her in and the very first show was called space is safe. And I'm really fortunate because this back wall where we have this giant American flag now just gives you the scope of how big 
a piece of art we can do. Yeah, um, awesome. it wasn't quite that big back in those days, and the piece that Mel had made to put up on that wall didn't fit. Mm. So now it's at my house. Uh, there you go. I got to Yeah, I'm like, very very happy. I have to that, take this home. Yep, so I get to look at it every day. It's a great piece. And Actually, the cool. one that did end up there is in my house. <laughs> nice, nice. No, we've had some really really great art shows, and I think it's not only um, because we. You know, we don't take money from artists. You know, mm-hmm. I know a lot of these places, they want to take a percentage. And I just, I've always hated that. It just mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. Artists have it rough anyway. So right. why why give up a percentage when they sell it? We're getting such a benefit out of having beautiful pieces of work that are in our space. We're right. getting it for free. That's the trade. That's the yeah. trade. Yeah. You know, why That's take true. money? It's really surprising to see that artists are genuinely surprised that we're not asking for it's a sad. percentage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're like, no, thank you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have had you're some great decorating our place. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're setting our scene. Right. Like you're creating our environment. Yeah. Totally. And we've just had some really, really good shows over the years. And um, we're lucky to have a lot of friends who are artists. So it's kind of easy to find. Yeah. And we're very fortunate in the fact that Lance, who we've mentioned earlier, is one of our bartenders, is now going to start curating uh, the shows here because that is really his passion. Um, so much more than what we've been able to do in the past. I think Lance will really step up into that role, and he's very excited awesome. about it. So he um, is coming back into town and trying to find a studio. We've already had a after party for School 33 here, which is super convenient for our, for all of us, and it's it's really exciting to see what's going to happen here in the future with art. That's so cool. And now you have um, more wall space, and it's interesting. I know, so right behind you guys right now is this big autograph wall, which is temporary, right? Um, well, it's permanent. Yeah. It's permanent. Yeah. But Temporary you can paint visible. Yeah. Over yeah. It. Right. Um, oh, no. That one could paint it oh, over. Oh, that one could paint it over. No. So no. That, oh, okay. the story of this is um, this is for all the donors that helped us out, that gave us money to get us through uh, when we needed them absolutely the most. So we had all these great people that stepped up and surprisingly gave us a lot of money. And we want to honor them by letting them put their signature on this wall and it will eventually be covered over by the wood paneling Mm -hmm. and it will become a time capsule for all the people that helped us get through the worst part of our business career and probably our lives. Honestly, it was a really, really tough time. Oh, I'm sure. So that's to pay homage to them. Do you want to talk a little, you don't have to go into the nitty gritty. I know there was a lot of like, you know, wonky stuff with the city and everything, but just kind of what happened at the bar and, and, you know, the reaction from the community and then the, the painstaking kind of renovation and stuff. Do you want to take sure. us through that quickly? I know it's probably, <laughs> you're like, let's leave that behind. But Well, I'll get us started. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was um, just before New Year's Eve two years ago. And I came in, Randall was already here. And it was time to do inventory. So I was getting ready to uh, step into that. And Randall asked me, uh, have you noticed anything any weird noises behind the wall lately? Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, nothing more than the ordinary. <laughs> and um, we kept quiet for a moment, and we actually heard, uh, it sounded just like something kind of trickling down behind mm. the wall. A little, little house settling sound. Yeah. yeah. What you would expect from a new house. Little, you know, wood rubbing, things right. like that. It sounded a little, a little different than normal. So, yeah. uh we were both a little concerned, and we went, went next door, and which is a, a building that we also own. And we looked next door and thought, "All right, we got to shut this baby down." Oh, jeez! It was time to, uh, yeah, it was. It, it we, the building was 
telling us that it was time to put some time and money into it. And um, was it in the foundation of it, or was it just? It's in the common wall between common both wall. buildings. Okay, yes. got it. And then, so you, but you probably didn't anticipate that you'd be closing for eighteen months, right? No. Yeah. So, no. so what? Well, we this came as a total shock. We were going to close it all. At all. Yeah. yeah. It was. Uh, it, it was a. You know, walked in, getting ready to open the bar that night, and five minutes later decided we're closed mm. until further notice. Wow. And people were like upset. I feel like that. Yeah. I mean, that's and that, stunned, upset, yeah. shocked. Yeah. We were. Yeah. We were uh, so taken aback. We didn't really know what to say. Right. What to tell people. Right. We knew we were only a few days from New Year's, which is. Huge one drinking of, night. One of the great, yeah, and it's yeah, a great party. It's here. Just a great, yeah. a lot of fun. great, great night you know, here for us. That tends to be a, a real big neighborhood and friends night mm-hmm. because they don't want to go out to the shit shows. And no one wants to like drive or deal with like traffic yeah. on New York, right. so just walk down to your corner bar. And and so sadly, yeah. we just had a little three by five card up in the window that said "closed until further notice." That is really sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and tried not to look at our text messages and phone calls that were yeah. harassing us to figure out what was going on. Yeah. Um, and so you guys, uh, was it kind of a, a sort of situation the more you looked into it, the more you realized there was more work to do, or was it just dealing with the city that made it such a delay or well, I think uh, right it, of... it was a, a very extensive project. And uh, like I said, we had no idea this was coming. So yeah. we had no, we didn't have any planning done. We didn't have any, you know, any engineering done. We didn't have any permits pulled. We didn't have any of that stuff, but take, which takes months. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and, and right away, right off the bat, we weren't even sure we were going to reopen. Right. That's, uh, yeah, it was, uh, uh, that's it was one of those situations really where, scary. you know, it was so fluid. We didn't even know what we were going to do. We would talk to a person one day who would say, you have to level both of these buildings and start right. all over. Right. Oh my gosh. And we thought there's no way we can do that. Yeah. You know, we don't have the capability. We don't have that kind of money that we're going to throw you know, two giant new buildings up in the middle of Federal Hill. There's right. no, or South Baltimore. There's just right. no way Federal Hill, as far as the real estate people call it. Well, so what, if you're talking about property taxes, I'm sure yeah, that's what they and so call it's it. real yeah. real estate money. You know, right. and we just had we that was nothing that was going to happen. So then we would talk to someone else who said, "Oh, I can do it for this price, or I can do it for that price." And it was just such a fluid time mm-hmm. where, you know, we really had no clue. Yeah, um, just like day by day. Uh huh. At one point, you know, we were offered these guys thought they might be able to get our liquor license into the cross street area. Hmm. And they thought they had kind of a backdoor way to do it. So we thought, well, there we are. That that could be it. We might just be leaving this neighborhood. Yeah. You know, we thought, okay, do we, you know, switch neighborhoods? Do we just get out of it entirely? Do we sell what we have? You know, we had the vultures coming around, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to figure out what we were going to do. So it was one of those things that looking back on it, you know, it was really, it's tough. And yeah. it was tough to even think about now. And They you were know. catching us at a, at a very weak point. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and you, I mean, it's this incredible time of limbo for you guys, right? Like, you don't, I mean, it's your livelihood, but it's also your passion. And it's also right. your community right. and your friends. Mm-hmm. And, right. Yeah. And when you don't know every day what it's going to be yeah. like, like, that has to yeah. be so scary. And it we was, didn't give anybody any answers. And that's frustrating, too, right? Because you're like, I would tell you if I knew right. anything. Yeah. yeah. Essentially, we both just kind of hibernated at that point. Yeah. Um, I would definitely have done the same thing. head in the sand, trying to figure out what we're going to do. And, you know, we had to deal with different banks and insurance company. And, I mean, we got nothing from the insurance company. We had mm. to deal with an advocate who was trying to help us 
uh, go through the insurance company. Uh, we dealt with our original bank. We never, ever missed a mortgage payment. We were never late on a payment. Mm-hmm. And they told us, well, technically you're out of business, so there's right. nothing we can do to help you. You can't show what, that you're going to make any money. So it's like, why, you anything. why have insurance and why pay your Pittsburgh bills on time bank. if <laughs> it doesn't even matter? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's just, right, like, why do all of that stuff if right. it's not going to pay off? Right. Um, but on the positive end of it, I feel like so many people came out for you guys oh like, my in gosh. droves. And yes. There were fundraising parties. Yes. Yeah. and um, That's, that's where, where the, the chaos led to the, the first fundraiser that we had at, at Little Havana's. Yeah. Were you guys um, surprised by that turnout? Or? Oh, my gosh. Blown we away. Blown away. Yeah. 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 We charged what we thought was an exorbitant amount of money basically just to get in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and people came in in droves. We saw people that we hadn't seen in eight years that came down from New York, came up from North Carolina. Oh, that's so people, cool. Yeah, literally. that had been... I would have been like bawling the whole time. It was a very tough it night. It was a really yeah. it was emotional. Night. Yeah, I yeah. can imagine. And neither of us have ever ever asked for money like that before. Right. So it was it it's was like a weird difficult, yeah. and, and people just came to us with open arms and amazing support. That's so people cool. that had never been in the bar before, that had moved into the neighborhood, said, "I've heard so much great stuff about your bar. I really want to give what I can do." And they that's they even would, more miraculous that they had never even stepped foot in here. There, were, was, there were there was one gentleman who um, has been bringing his friends and his family here only for probably a year or so mm-hmm. before we closed down, and he came in with a wad of cash. Wow. He was like, I collected from my friends, mm-hmm. and this oh is from God. seven different people. I want you guys to have this. He went door to door for you guys. Yeah, That's so yeah. Cool. I mean, it was just one of those things that we were absolutely blown away. It was completely yeah. emotional. Um, I had tears in my eyes. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Most of the night. Yeah. And honestly, I don't really, really remember tough. a lot oh, of I'm it sure because it was just fog. oh, it was yeah. so we had so much. DJs, bands, volunteer. Yeah. Oh great, yeah. Great I went music. to the the one at the auto bar, and the mm-hmm. bands were so awesome. Yeah. But like the vibe, everyone was just it was just very like warm. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was all the chartreuse, but it was a yep. very like warm, fuzzy <laughs> feeling in the air. I mean, I feel like everyone was just, I don't know, super excited to be there to help you guys. Um, yeah, and that's, that was probably the the night where it was obvious to us that we had to reopen. Right, because you kind of have to pay we these saw, people back. Well, we right? saw what we had created. Yeah. It wasn't just like, oh, I lie, we're closed, we'll find somewhere else. It was like, uh, we need to get them going again. And that's the one and thing they that they wanted. just to support us. With this, yeah. yeah. And then we had a very fortunate meeting with um, another one of our great loyal customers who is a fundraiser and said, I have a plan for you guys. And he basically, you know, neither one of us had ever done a Kickstarter, Indiegogo, any of that type of thing before. Um, we certainly didn't understand it, but he had done uh, political fundraising and he understood how fundraising worked. And we had a meeting with him and he said, I think this is the number you should go for. Mm-hmm. And this is why. And yeah. it made so much sense. And then we just had a really fun meeting thinking, okay, now we need to give give people what they need. Mm-hmm. And we started coming up with the ideas and, you know, of course, the T-shirts and the stickers and all that kind of stuff. But the idea of the, being able to sell the front door, you know, we, it was a really <laughs> fun Meeting over a couple of drinks. Yeah, Yeah. you know, it was just anything kind of goes, you know. Set the bar too high so they look at the next one down. (laughs) (laughs) You can have the door. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty cool. But that meeting really kind of cemented, you know what, we might actually be able to really pull this off. 
It's like your and first oh, yeah. of hope. It, yeah, it yeah. was somebody, you know, just one person talking to the both of us. It was like, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to do this together. You guys can do it. That's awesome. And we walked out of there like, all right, this, you know. This really could work. This really yeah. might. You know. <laughs> I remember, I think I talked to you that week and you were like, you were like, oh, I think we're setting something up on Friday. I've never done this before, but we'll send you the link. And then you were like, well, it's up. It's yep. happening. Um, and you were like, we probably won't reach our goal. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then you did and then some, right? Well, we got it out and it was a, what, six week campaign, right? And it immediately hit and we were very surprised. We we're like that, you know, it was a, it was a sizable amount of money in yeah. a very short amount of time. Yeah. And then it kind of slowed down and it was trickling in. I mean, it never stopped, but it was trickling. And we came down to that last week and we started, you know, getting some really nice mentions mm-hmm. um, in all the different media throughout town. And it was all over Facebook. And all of a sudden that last day, I don't know what happened, but it just started pouring in. And Randall and I were sitting together at Metropolitan. We were outside. We knew something was happening. Yeah. It would happen. Yeah, but we did not. You know, there's the big at the beginning and the big at the end. Right. We knew there were even friends that we knew were going to at least buy a t-shirt or something. Hadn't seen their names pop up yet. And then people People are procrastinators. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And all of a sudden, it was just like, that rock had been pushed over the hill and it just sped up and sped up and sped up. And we reached our goal and Randall and I were outside at Metro that afternoon and tears again in the eyes yeah. and we had we had done it. And then it just kept going and going and going. Um, I remember maybe an hour or so, two hours later, my mother called me screaming, <laughs> you sold the front door, you sold the front door. She was losing her mind. Oh my and God, that's awesome. Yeah, we did uh, We did 20% more than what we had asked for. It was wow. an amazing, amazing outpouring. That's incredible. Yeah. And did you feel like, I mean, in general, did did people let you know why Idol Hour meant so much to them? Were there, were there specific things that people would mention to you of like why they wanted to donate and well, I they think they all miss Jason Devine, <laughs> <laughs> and I miss them. <laughs> Here, I'll let Randall pick up that question. Yeah, um, there were there were actually there was uh, one Facebook post. I can't even remember who put it up. Um, that really struck a chord with me. Um, they said they were wandering the neighborhood, looking for that dimly lit bar with no TVs. And good music and somebody to talk to. And they said they ended up just walking home. Oh, man. How poetic, though. Like, yeah. that's... Wow. That's amazing. And that's why... You're and that's why of, we were here. That's I mean, why you're we, like, we, we gotta are, you know, bring it back. We um, have a, build the best widget. Yeah. People will come to your door. Yeah. We have a very, very loyal customer base and friend base. And it became very, very apparent. After that second fundraiser, and certainly after the Indiegogo campaign, and at that point, there was no turning back. Yeah, it, it had it to happen. be done. Make it happen. Yeah, no matter what. Totally. And um, so what? Um, and I was saying this earlier, but I I know that you guys have put a lot of work into this place and a, a lot of with your own hands, which is really admirable too. It's not like you are hiring a bunch of companies to do a lot of this for you. Um, so, but I also love that you walk in here and it doesn't feel completely different from what it was. Um, so do you feel like a lot of the changes are kind of more behind the scenes, like 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 system stuff? And I know the floors are different, but, yeah, the, but sure. the vibe is still kind of the same? Or, for or, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
In fact, I think that we've done it. Well, we didn't do it. The the engineers that volunteered their time, mm-hmm. the architects that went above and beyond mm-hmm. um, to hide all of the structural elements and to really think about the design. We owe a lot to those guys, um, to all the workers that helped us helped us out and basically deliver a box that we could then repopulate. Mm-hmm. And we were fortunate enough to be able to save the original bar, the original bar to us. Right. Um, and from there, you really, once we get the wood back on these walls, you really should not know that anything ever happened. The majority of the work is actually behind you. There's an entire new foundation on both sides of that wall. New foot or new foundation. Yeah. We've got um, concrete blocks wall now behind you mm-hmm. and there's a giant steel i-beam that's holding the rest of the building up um, if you notice over here there's three structural elements that are keeping the building from falling out into the street right and that there's <laughs> there's a bunch of um ties that are holding the walls back in on the front of both buildings <laughs> and on the side so really when you're sitting in here it shouldn't seem that different from what we started and we know the reason that we got all that money and that support is because they loved people loved what this place was right and we didn't want to deviate from what it it was was. it was broke but right right (laughs) (laughs) right but you i think if you had opened something that was dramatically different yes that was not our goal yeah not at all yeah no i think i think it's awesome um spend a little extra time probably a little extra money to to make it be like this to bring it back Yeah. yeah and so you opened in june Sorry, May, May. No, I guess we're on five weeks right now, yeah. right? Wait, June. June, yeah, probably. Like at the very end of June. It's been a blur, Jess. Yeah, yeah it's, been a, it's been an absolute blur. So I can't I tell probably you. should have yeah. looked that up too. <laughs> um, no, I, and so how has it been like having people come back in, and and do you feel like it's kind of like riding a bike again, like you just kind of got on the train, or is something different about working here now? Well, I think what's really nice about opening in the slow time of the year, which July and August mm-hmm. certainly are, or certainly is in Baltimore, um, we can start slowly. Mm-hmm. So when we first started the first week, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. So we started with five bottles of whiskey, four bottles of vodka, a couple of different bottles, and of course a case of chartreuse, mm-hmm. and maybe like 10 beers. And if you look behind you now, like every week we've kind of added a couple of more things. We've got three more things coming in today. Um, the next big project is to get the tap system back. Awesome. Um, we feel really guilty with the amount of trash we're producing right now because all of our beers are in bottling cans. Right. So we want to get back to drafts as soon as possible. Um, so it, it has been like riding a bike, you know, it's people are coming back and mm-hmm. it's great to see everyone and it's, Great to see people who I haven't seen in a year and a half yeah. and catch up. But probably the coolest thing that's happening right now are all these folks that have moved in the neighborhood since we've been closed. Oh, yeah. And they come in with this notion that they know the bar already because they've heard so much great thing or so many great things about it. Right. So for them to actually come in and witness it and to talk to us and to experience it for the first time, it's pretty neat. That's so cool. Um, yeah. I remember specifically the guy, one of the guys at that first Little Havana's who said, we just moved in the neighborhood, heard your bar is great, wanted to come back. Uh, I remember when he came in the first time, it was, it was so good to see him shake his hand. Yeah. And, uh, you're like, welcome. And he's a new regular. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like putting a place to the name for him. Yeah. He has a 
That's cool. It's also been really great because we've told all of our, in fact, if any of our um, donors are listening to this podcast mm-hmm. and haven't come and picked their stuff up, please do. <laughs> um, it's been really great to meet the donors that we didn't know because there are actually quite mm-hmm. a few that just gave us money online and we don't know who they are wow. necessarily. Um, to come in to shake their hand to say thank you and to give them their t-shirt or their CD or and hear stickers. their story yeah, yeah. and it's find out why yeah. why did you give us right money? right and you're getting to know people all over mm-hmm. again or for the first time or yeah. or whatever but I'll tell you after a year and a half break um, <laughs> of not living the nightlife I think we're both <laughs> we're both struggling a <laughs> Adju- little bit adjusting <laughs> yeah difficultly yeah yeah um, yeah I have two uh, two young daughters and oh, uh, you know. 10 o'clock bedtime was starting to feel pretty good. Right, right. And now it's a little bit different. Yeah. Getting back to those 3 a.m. Yeah, Randall yeah. and I were calling each other at, you know, 7.38 in the morning. Oh, and eat a little food, go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> we would we would call each other 7.38 in the morning to, uh, you know, see when we were going to be down here and make sure we needed this or that for the day's worth of work. And then we'd be home by, you know, 6, 7, mm-hmm. in bed by 10. Right. And... Yeah, we haven't called each other that early in quite some time. Yeah, I'm sure it's a little <laughs> bit different of a, of a schedule now. It is. That's it is. Really it's fun. really fun, though. That's awesome. And so what do you guys have going on now? Um, I know you've introduced the, the Chartreuse Bottle Club, um, which is new, right? Yeah. You, didn't, you never had that before. No, no, no. no. Yeah. That was part of the, the, the donor oh, package. Part of the donor. That was part of the Indiegogo campaign. But now. we're also going to open that up to the public, too. Awesome. So, so kind of similar model to, like, the GM Sure. Yeah, Club exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yep. But the reason that we are choosing BEP is because it is very hard to find. Okay. So we wanted to have the largest collection of BEP. And so what does that mean exactly for people, for chartreuse drinkers? Is, mm-hmm. it, is it aged differently? Is mm-hmm. it? Okay. Yeah. It sure is. Got it. Same product. Uh, I believe it's 12 years aged in the barrel. Yeah, we should probably. Pretty sure that's it. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, still a, a green and a yellow, um, but uh, the extra time in the barrel really rounds them out. Yeah. That's Some people awesome. might find chartreuse a little poignant. It's like, it's an acquired taste, I would say, right? Indeed. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it brings people back. Yeah. Yeah. Even the ones that are not sure about it or, yeah, have a guttural reaction. They're like, maybe I need there. to give it another chance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I know you guys have some events going on on Sundays, too. Is, is that every Sunday kind of indefinitely? or? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right now we have um, two guest bartenders. That, well, I guess they're not really guest bartenders. We have permanent bartenders <laughs> with us on uh, Sundays. Um, Doug Atwell from Rye and uh, Chelsea Gregoire, who has worked at a handful of places up in um, Mount Vernon. She's at Penn and Quill right now. Uh, those two have teamed up. They're calling themselves the Cartesian Punks, <laughs> and they are creating a drink list for us every Sunday. And in addition to that, we also have DJs every Sunday. Nice. So, but that's just the kind of the, the, the beginning of this. We're also, um, DJs will be here every Saturday. We're going to have monthly Saturdays that we're working on. We've realized that events are really kind of what's changed, I guess, in the yeah. last year and a yeah. half since we've... Uh, that's probably the biggest change in how Brandon and I are uh, approaching this is uh, instead of this is a place for us for us and our friends to hang out with, it's right. let's try to offer them more with the resources that we have. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, we'll still be here hanging out, but uh, I feel like we slacked a bit in uh, doing the most with what we had 
Yeah. And now we're trying to do the most of what we have. And I do feel it's interesting that you say that because it probably has been in the last like year or so where these yeah. pop-ups and these pop-ups, Facebook mashups, all this stuff that's so yeah. new to us. But um, it just, you know, it makes a lot of sense because we have so many friends who are involved in this. Right. So. And yeah, bartenders like to roam. <laughs> it's true. So we have Saturdays, um, Sundays, and of course, you know, Jay does Mondays with open turntable. Mm-hmm. And, cool. uh, We've got a really interesting one that will debut in September, and it's going to be Second Tuesdays, and it's a partnership with Friends Records. Oh, awesome. So we're super excited about that. That's Um, really cool. That came about because uh, we've been doing business with um, the CEO of the company, and we didn't even know it. Uh, Mm -hmm. We've been buying wine from Bacchus forever. He is involved with Bacchus and Friends. Gotcha. Um, He wanted us wanted to talk to us to see if we would be interested in doing, you know, a, a night where we would pair up wine and maybe a theme music, music yeah. and oh, kind of so figure out fun. how it works. Yeah. yeah. And so then he introduced us to Jimmy, which turns out, you know, we've been buying music from Jimmy when he worked <laughs> at Soundgarden for years. Baltimore. Um, yeah, totally yeah. Baltimore. And um, we're really excited because, you know, we've got a, I, as you can test or, uh, as you can testify to we have a, a really nice sound system here yeah and we have Might as well use it. a passion for vinyl and we have two turntables set up at the end of the bar and these guys are going to come in and bring all of their um, talented people in and play music for us they're all vinyl lovers so that's we're so cool. super excited and that starts in september yeah you said? it's the second tuesday i think it's the 13th Cool. And you like you promote this stuff mainly on Facebook and yeah. Okay. So if people wanted to, we might like building our website now. Okay. And we might get fancy and get Instagram. You know. Oh man. Yeah. The new step era. It up, yeah. right? The new age of Idol Hour. Instagram. <laughs> you might even do some paper advertising. Oh yeah. my god. Who knows? It's crazy. <laughs> no, I just I'm so excited and you know congratulations again you guys for opening up. I mean people are thrilled and like I said you kind of are like the the cult classic bar of Baltimore I think. Um, do you want to make, do you want to make like a chartreuse cocktail and, or, or what were you thinking as far as <laughs> that's why you're behind the bar? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Or I can work with you to make something. Well, so originally we thought, um, Jason, uh, JD, our uh, bartender on Monday, who's sitting at the end of the bar yeah, right now. Yeah, you can come over if you want. Um, <laughs> one of his creations is the Excellent Disaster, and it's it's a beautiful drink that has both green and yellow in it. Okay. But we thought, you know what? That's not what we're going to do to you. Stick with where we came from. Okay. We're going to do what we do. We're going to make you do a shot of green. Yep. Okay. That's so, totally fine. I'm I mean, not surprised. Yeah. And, I mean, honestly. Welcome over that. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Please do. So honestly, um, when folks come in and they ask about chartreuse, um, they say, how do you drink it? And as a joke, we always just say shots. Mm -hmm. And it's not too far from the truth. I mean, that really is what we do. But there is a method to the madness for that. Um, We aren't just trying to to make you drink shots of chartreuse. We (laughs) (laughs) have crazy sales. I mean, what it really comes down to is that's the best way to taste it if you've never tasted it. We could make you a cocktail where there's a quarter ounce of yellow or there's a quarter ounce of green, but you're not going to taste it because it's going to be mixed with vodka or gin. So we we like to make you try it for real. That first time the... uh, the, the guys from France came mm-hmm. when we first put the chartreuse bottles up there. Um, and the president of the company, very charming, very sweet gentleman, uh, Jean-Marc. Mm-hmm. Jean-Marc uh, Roger. Says, how is it 
You sell so much chartreuse <laughs> in such a small box. <laughs> Shots. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very efficiently oh, drinking it. Yeah. Uh, he was so pleased to uh, know that that's that's how we we're doing it. it uh, traditionally, at least around the U.S., uh, seems to be a very small part of a mixer and Got a drink, uh, you know, a dash or a teaspoon. Like most liqueurs ounce, something like that. are in cocktails, yeah. Uh, and when we actually got to visit uh, with them in France, the distillery, the monastery. Oh, that's so cool. The you whole guys works. did that. Um, that was it, our 10-year anniversary present. Straight. That's That is not meant, you know, in their world, that doesn't mix. It's So you've been doing it right all along, basically. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. That's very cool. All right, so here's where you get to be the bartender, okay. Jess. You oh, have God. to grab four shot glasses. Okay. I think I can do that part. <laughs> so I'm off the hook tonight. I guess you're taking the shift, I right? I guess so. <laughs> All right, we'll see, we'll see how long it lasts last before I spill or break something. <laughs> Usually my ammo. Well, that's how you know you're in the club. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. If you're not Actually, light a candle, and then, then you'll really be in the club. All right, club. so over there, Where? behind you, you'll see a whole this? cabinet full of chartreuse. Yeah. There we go. Green bottle up top. No, this you one? don't want that yellow. We're this making you do green. Got it. All right. So just pour? Pour away. Okay. Know how filled to the brim you want them, but oh, you're perfect. Perfect. wonderful job. Thanks. I figure if you've taken enough shots in your life, you should be able to pour a few. Look at that! Look, Look at a pro! Wow! <laughs> Guys, you might make me consider trying to center my day job a little bit. <laughs> nice to meet you. By the way. Indeed, <laughs> this is a great way to meet people. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Well, cheers, guys, and cheers. happy opening again. This cheers. is so exciting. Jess, thanks. Yeah, yeah, thanks, thank Jess. You. And you know, one of the—I was going to say—one of the uh, one of the cheers you'll hear most around Idle Hour is Jay's, and we'll let him say that. Yeah. Always merry and bright. <laughs> I like it. Always. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Buzzed in Baltimore. As always, you can follow along with this podcast at Buzzed in More on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to find out more about Idle Hour and all of their events coming up, you can check out their Facebook page and their upcoming website, idlehourbaltimore.com. Thanks.